Welcome to the Knock On Scoreline.ie and KCLR's weekly rugby podcast. In this episode, myself, former Leinster captain Chris Pym and Tullerobi's Johnny Tobin talk about lots, including that dire second test with the Lions and why the Lions lost to South Africa. Six changes to the Lions team for the final test. Will it make a difference? Players not making an impact on tour players not being used for any of the games on the tour and why that's wrong. The Springboks are missing two key players. Will it help the Lions? How the Lions will aim to beat South Africa? And Razi Erasmus being called in front of World Rugby. But does he have a point though? Our predictions as well for the final test. Um, how are you lads? <laughs> all good, yeah. All good, yeah. We're going to have to change that introduction a little bit. It's getting Just a bit tired. It is, absolutely. Um, I also forgot to wear my uniform today. Uh, so the two that, fellas yeah. are, uh, are in their Leinster gear. I am wearing navy, mm-hmm. though, if it's any consolation. Actually, before we get cracking, um, what do you think of the new Munster jersey? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Why would I be looking at a Munster jersey? Exactly. I was just testing this out. Um, no problem. <laughs> it's not great. I think, it's, I think I saw a pink thing there, did I? Ah, it's... It's it's about twenty different shades of red and a bit of white mm. and stripes mm. and stuff and will it improve uh, the playing? Oh, uh, go faster stripes and all that stuff. Sure, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, <laughs> we've plenty to chat about this week. We're going to talk about the uh, South African win over the Lions last week. Of course, we're going to preview the third and final test, which is coming up this week, and we'll talk about the side shows as well with Razzie Erasmus getting a uh, uh, misconduct hearing um, from World Rugby, which we expected was going to happen anyway. Um, but we'll talk about all that as well. But first, um, South Africa, 27 lines, nine. Uh, we were a bit more confident, Chris, coming into this game, that uh, the lines would have been able to back up what they did the week before, maybe, and uh, you know see the series win on Saturday, but couldn't have been more wrong. Couldn't have been more wrong. Started her at a half decent. We're in the game, but literally as the game progressed, we just lines just got steadily, steadily worse. Kind of drifted out of the game, and you know the whole stop-start nature of the game clearly suited uh, South Africa a lot better than it did the Lions. So it was uh, look pretty much from start to finish very disappointing, but. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, it's a long way back from that one, to be quite honest. And I think even the changes they've made this week, I might have made one or two different changes myself in addition. So um, I'm not sure he's freshened enough, enough to uh, turn things around. But look, we live in hope. And yeah, it's nil all start the game, same as this for everyone. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, certainly it was it was a disappointing fair, that's for sure. Johnny, what happened? Do you think? I don't know. It, it all it looked a bit like a GA match, to be honest with you. There's not a lot of kicking going on. <laughs> Very little carrying. But um, I was just looking at some stats there during the week. If you're looking at the, the carry stats, like we had 49 carries and seven, 77 metres gained. So how are you mm-hmm. going to win a game with them kind of stats? Do you know your, your loose head prop has 15, uh, 15 metres made in eight carries. Uh, he's the highest uh, as regards to the ratio. And then your fullback is the closest to him. Like, we lost the physical aspect completely. And then definitely, again, it's back to the aerial and physical. If you lose both of them against South Africa, they're just going to rip you to shreds like they did last Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. The scrum disintegrated, Chris. Yeah, scrum as well was poor based on last week. We thought we were probably in a better place than we were in reality. But scrum never really got going at all. 
And again, yeah, steadily disimproved during the game, but clearly made a decision that we could beat the South Africans at their own game by literally trying to take them on up front and then kicking the leather off the ball. And at no stage did it look like either of those two was going to work. So it's big time back to the drawing board. And if he wants to win the game this week, well, he's either going to go again with the same again and hope that Liam Williams can do a better job in the backfield or else um, they're going to have to try and throw the ball around and create some space by carrying. But, yeah, look, that's a shocking stat of 77 yards gained um, through the course of a game. I mean, there'd be lads get that in their own some days. So, you know, it's just shocking stuff. So it'd be interesting to see how they approach it, to be honest. And the fact that they've gone back to Ali Price at nine, I think maybe might suggest that uh, we're going to try and put a bit of width on the board. They've put Aki and Henshaw together, which I say would we would have done last week. And uh, because clearly Farrell, Stroke, Elliot Daly, near them have really fired at all. So um, I think it's probably a good call to bring in Aki, but I think it's a massive ask of him. A guy who's played very little rugby to step up um, and you know, lead the line essentially for uh, however hopefully we'll be a bit more ball carrying on on Saturday. Um, Johnny, is there anything you can take from that second test that the Lions can bring into the third? A- anywhere that there was any bit of an advantage at all, do you think? Uh, no. <laughs> um, looking at their mall and they were defending on the 40, you think 42nd or 43rd minute and they were defending a full South African mall with four players. So they're looking like they're trying to fight fire with fire, and that doesn't really work. So um, I don't know. I think it's back to the drawing board. I do agree with Chris. I think Liam Williams might offer some more to it. Um, I think it's a big ask of Bundyaki coming in there. But I don't know. Uh, I, I would have liked to see a lot more of a shake-up. I think Tom Curry is very lucky to hold his spot still in the team. I think he's been a liability the last two tests. Um, I think Ian Henderson is very unlucky not getting involved in a squad. But I don't know, is he is he back in his reliables? I don't know what he's doing because for me that test team for this Saturday is very, very similar to the test team last Saturday. The only major difference is Ali Price is a little bit quicker under the ball than Murray. He plays a little bit more than the box kick game. Yeah, and I mean clearly they're gonna try and make a bit of yardage up the twelve channel by playing Aki. That's the only reason you play him. So um, you know. South Africans are just going to fill that channel and they will do everything in their power to take on Aki in that first 10 or 15 minutes just to put a marker down. If that doesn't work, I think it's like, oh, Jesus, where do we go now? You're kind of back to the kicking game, which we also know doesn't work. So I'm hoping Gregor Townsend is finally going to make his mark on the tour because he needs to produce something that, you know, I mean, I think for the game in general, we can't. It's bad for the game that if this kick-chase game is going to be what wins test matches because nobody wants to watch that. I mean, it was absolutely turgid, over two hours of turgid muck, to be quite honest. And much and all, there's the passion and the desire from everybody to be, you know, cheering on the Lions and cheering on the Africans, whatever side you're on. You know, there's a limit as to how much just pure physical kick and chase 
you can watch. So, you know, I think there's an onus. Well, there may be a larger onus on World Rugby to change the game that limits the number of kicks or something you can make in, I don't know, in a play. But it's, you know, it's nonsense the way it has gone at the moment that clearly everyone's done their sums and gone, okay, we've done the maths. The best way you can win a game of rugby nowadays is kick the ball up in the air. That's wrong. That's bad. And that's not good for the game. So yeah. I think there's a bigger piece outside of next week that needs to be sorted there to try and fix that aspect of the game. But And I'd like to think that the Lions will be a bit more adventurous this weekend and um, try and run into a bit of space. Which I'm yeah. not saying is easy against South Africans, but yeah. Um, does six changes, Johnny, uh, indicate a bit of panic? Um, you know, the way the optics look from the outside um, going into the third test? I, w- I wouldn't say panic. I'd say more uh, realisation that the first two squads weren't working. Um, like if Josh Adams in, who was top try scorer in every competition he's in, and he's getting in the third test. Do you know, maybe the second test might have been a better test for him to come in because now there's immense pressure on him to perform, being 1-1, as it would have been to 1-0 in the second test. Um, I would like to see a lot more changes, to be honest with you, but um, I wouldn't say panic. I'd just say a realisation that it's sinking in now that the squad he went with for the first two isn't really working. Uh, not surprised to see Owen Farrell out of the squad. Um, thought he was very lucky to be in it. Uh, excited to see Finn Russell in it maybe he might offer something in the end last 15-20 minutes but no I, w- I wouldn't say panic I'd just say it's sunk in now that he he needs to change things up Yeah, Conor Murray's gone all together from the match day squad, harsh or fair? Uh, Murray's in, isn't he on the bench? He's on the bench I think, isn't is he? Yeah, no he's on the bench, Murray's on the bench yeah. um, He is, bad I actually thought it was, um, it was strange I thought Gareth Davis might get in um, maybe Ali Price and Gareth Davis are a little bit like for like and they might want to put someone on with a cooler head for the last 15 minutes as they did in the first test um, I was just I was just looking at something there during the week Ali Price or Finn Russell and Marcus Smith uh, Finn Russell has three appearances and eight points Marcus Smith has one appearance and 14 points so would he have been the better shot to go on the bench for the last 15 minutes with a bit more maverick and a bit more flair to him than what Finn Russell might have and he's fully fit to the best we know as Finn Russell has been rested halfway through the tour so look hard to know interesting one yeah I mean I think uh, looking at the changes and stuff I think Vandermeerva is unbelievably lucky to survive Um, I'm not sure he brought anything to the party in either test and um, he's still there I don't know what he needs to do to get dropped I mean that was bizarre well South African Welsh yeah well whatever you want to call him but it's um yeah that was a strange one um I thought they might shuffle the back row a bit um as I said earlier there Johnny that Curry is certainly lucky to hang on I thought to be honest Courtney Laws offered very little as well never got on the ball it seemed to drift out of the game very very early on um I actually would have brought in Tyburn a lot easy a lot earlier I mean he's a bit unlucky having got seven minutes and eight minutes in the two games. You know, it's very hard to put a stamp on a game, chasing a game um, with seven minutes on the park. So he would, I think he'd have to consider himself very unlucky to be chucked out of the 23. I nearly would have given him a start, to be honest. Yeah. Particularly if we were going to throw the ball and try and put a bit of width on the game. Um, I think, 
a tie would consider himself very unlucky to miss out there and I think both Curry and Laws lucky to survive now Laws probably there on the basis of his first test which is probably fair enough but still and all it's um, yeah a little bit of a surprise with there's not more changes there I think Conan did well again but again didn't really stamp his authority on the game but as you say if we've uh, 49 meters or 49 carries and 77 meters of um, gain line. That's that's a lot of hard work there, and mm. not too many guys make any yardage. But he was probably one of the few who did make a couple of half decent carries. But yeah, Cornyn was um, what was Cornyn? Where is he? Jack Cornyn. He made four meters. That was seven carries. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Tom Curry made one meter out of four carries. So. Um, is it hard, Chris, for them to for the back rowers, especially in the back five, I suppose, to yeah. perform while they're going forward and everything? They're going forward, they're going backwards rather in the scrubs, exactly, they're going yeah. backwards in the mall. It's very yeah. hard to get a stamp on a game when you're all the time going backwards, I think. No question. No question. Yeah, very, very difficult. You're taking the ball, and the other thing, if you're taking the ball behind the gain line, you're 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 really struggling. Whereas I thought in the first test, and particularly in that first half of the um, South Africa A game was a lot of ball on the gain line and I think as well and I think we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago as well Bigger takes the ball very deep compared to how we would um, compared to how Johnny would have you know takes yeah. the ball obviously on the gain line Johnny Sexton um, I think that's obviously creating a problem as well because we're, we're just not getting even to the gain line after first, second, even third phase ball so it it does make it very very difficult to uh, to try and get into the game and get in the front foot if you're uh, everything you're doing is behind the game line. So I think and that's possibly one of the reasons why they're having to kick so much because they can't get to the game line, given the physicality of the South Africans. But look, I mean, I think they need absolutely need to find a way this weekend. What do you think of the changes in the front row? Ken Owens coming in and Win Jones back and Maku back on the bench. Yeah, it's to be expected. Um, I don't think Luke Cowan Dickey done much wrong last week, but um, again, is it is it Warren Gatlin going back to type and reverting to who he knows? They're two, in fairness to Win Jones and Ken Owens, they're two very well tested players and they're, they're good front row players, so I can't see an issue with it um, as regards front row selection. My biggest fear on the, on the changes would be Sam Simmons on the bench. I really think he's feeling the heat. Of Test rugby, I think we all, I thought, myself included, I raved about him when he was picked that he was so good for Exeter and whatever. But I think he has really felt the heat of Test rugby, and he is our only back row sub against well, a, a very physical box team for the weekend yeah. at the third Test. Is he going to really feel the heat when he comes on and a must-win Test uh, match? So yeah. front row for me is, is I, I'd be happy with it. I think uh, actually another person who's very lucky is Kyle Sinclair. To be in that squad with an allegation of biting, even if it, even if he was cleared, I still think might have looked elsewhere for a different option. You know, temperament has to play a massive part in the third test, like so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see the front row whether Win Jones. I don't really know a whole lot about him. Um, I haven't really noticed him much test level even. So he's a little bit tried and tested. He obviously got picked for the first test and has to drop out through injury. So. You know, it's his opportunity to prove that he should have been there the whole time. 
Um, so he's back from injury now. Let's see. Let's see how he goes. I think obviously Warren likes him because he clearly had him in his mind up until the first test. So yeah, look, it's uh, definitely an interesting one. So I think front cut, front row is probably uh, you couldn't have too many complaints. I thought Tide was as good as he could have been again under difficult circumstances. So and you know if Sinclair is his nearest competitor, well then he doesn't have a whole lot of opposition there. So I think yeah, front row look be, be happy enough of course. Yeah. Second row then obviously picked itself. I thought, you know, Win or Owen Jones probably struggled a bit in the second half. Um, but then, you know, you bring in Tideburn into your row. So they've kind of said, look, they've nailed the colours to their mask that they're not gonna play. Not one of the second rows isn't coming off. So um and Sam Simmons, well obviously we this week they've got Adam Baird in the row, so they've somebody covered there. But um, it's slightly strange. Sorry, lads. Slightly strange that they have um, gone with Simmons. Yeah, very unproven, and I wouldn't have thought he's shown it on this tour to suggest that he he should have been picked. Is there enough impact on that bench if we get caught in a situation like we did at the weekend? Um, you know where there was. No, well, not parity, but we were close enough in terms of the scoreboard at half time, and then South Africa put the boot down in the second half. Is it a good enough bench to stem the flow of the South Africans if they get into a flow? Uh, I wouldn't think so, personally. Mm. Um, yeah. If you were with a with an interprovincial team, a Leinster or a Munster or something like that, you'd say that's an excellent bench. Um, if you're a test level, I just don't think it brings the physicality to it. Uh, there's a couple of weak links. I think Elliot Daly, another one, is very lucky. I think he's been blown out of the park every time he's played against South Africa. Um, front row, first, the, the Luke Houndicky and Mako Vinopola, definitely. I think Kyle Sinclair is a loose cannon. And in the last 20, I think he could um, give away more of harm than he does good. Um, Adam Beard, I know he's been good for Wales, but I know very little about him other than that. Sam Simmons, like I said, is not tested. I suppose Murray is probably the steadiest out of the backs. And then Finn Russell, again, he's good, but he's liable to do anything. He'll chance something for you. And it looks there's little risk and no reward if you, if you don't try something. So mm-hmm. it's hard to know. It, it, it seems even crazier when you when you look at the bench that Falatau was dropped um, for Sam Simmons, considering the experience he has at test level and big games like this. You know, if, if that's what the plan was with the bench to try and have something there um you know to in case they get a bit under pressure but um you know, it doesn't fill you with an awful lot of confidence yeah no it's a strange one i'm not quite sure where we're coming from there and i would agree that the bench bar finn russell who is liable to do anything he'll certainly make an impact but he's <laughs> just not quite sure what kind which of impact do? which impact it will be but um he has certainly influenced the game when he comes on, that's for sure, because he will try something. Um, so, and, you know, given the nature of the day, given the nature of the game, really would you have been better having him there to start with and then somebody to close out the game as opposed to, because we're clearly not very good at chasing the game and the South Africans clearly don't like chasing the game either. If the South Africans get in front it's going to be very, very difficult to reel them in. Um, so i just not quite sure. I think it probably would have gone the other way around. I'd have chucked Russell in there 
and uh, then tried to steady ship on the way home because I don't think there's any point in us hoping that we're going to reel them back in if they're 13 or 14 points ahead with 20 minutes to go. Saffron's has just closed the game. So, I mean, you know, it, it is a slightly strange one, but yeah, look, I'm a work on the basis that they're inside the camp. They know a lot more than we do. Um, so let's hope they they know a lot more than we do. But they, the um, I think probably the one thing in our favour, or two things in our favour is that Dwayne Vermeulen's injured and hasn't been able to, didn't make the cut at eight. And Faf de Klerk is out. Both of those are big calls. I don't come in that kind of access. Um, I would have been really worried if, if Vermeulen was back in there. So that definitely helps our cause. And I think the nine that's been covering for de, de Klerk there is, is watery enough. So it would be interesting to see if we could make a bit of progress down that channel. Yeah. Um, so, and it may be why they've gone with Ali Price as well, that, you know, he's a little bit more, uh, a little sharper around the base and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, look, who knows, but that's um, definitely a chink of light for the, for the Lions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, I was moving on to there. It's, it gives us something to be optimistic about when do, missing those two fellas. And, and like you said, uh, Dwayne Vermeulen as well. Um, not fit enough this weekend, obviously, still uh, carrying a knock or something there as well. Um, the Ennibers went to a 5 3 split as well on the bench. Um, and he's brought back in Marnie Stain. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, well, that's the is, very same thing. He's yeah. going to be happy 20 minutes to go. He knows what he's going to be doing. He's just going to close the game down. And, uh, no better man. No yeah. better man, exactly, yeah. Whereas um, the guy I was covering, what's his name? The guy was at 10. He uh, a little bit flaky or you just wouldn't have the solidity that Stain would have. So, yeah, that absolutely. You can see where he's coming from there. So, um, are, how, big, um, how big of a loss are those two players? Like we know, good Faf is and Steph de Troyes. Um, is it a huge thing, or is it a thing that the Springboks, you know, can easily cope with the loss of players like that? It's not like you're hanging your hat on, I don't know, the Johnny Sexton's of the world and that for Ireland. Um, I think Faf de Clerk is the equivalent of Johnny Sexton for Ireland, to be honest with you. Um, Faf de Clerk is so steady and nothing rattles him. Absolutely nothing bothers that man. Like you see him, he was been viewed on the television screen last week for a headshot on Conor Murray and he was laughing with Quagga Smith as it was going on. Nothing bothers that man. Like, um, But I think it's the time for our back five to go at rook time with this new nine in. I think, like Chris said, he's untested, uh, rattled his cage early and put him under a lot of pressure on clean, good ball, give them no clean ball. I think that'll slow down their, their good threats on the outside. But I really do think Faf de Klerk is a massive loss for the Springboks. Um, he's the link and he's a solid link. He's probably one of the best nines. Like I said, I think two or three weeks ago, himself and Anton Dupont are the two best nines, in my opinion, in the world at the moment. So he'd be a massive loss. Uh, I think they can survive without a lot of others. Um, but Maureen and Stan coming in, close out the game, 20 minutes left. If I was the Lions with, I was two or three points up, I wouldn't be backing myself with that man coming in. Uh, Should we? Should we fly Johnny Sexton out that we have time? Ship of sail, I'm afraid. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, it's actually a really good point. And I think possibly one of the reasons they didn't bring him was that he was 
possibly too big a character for the group that's thrown him in there late. I wonder would he just have rattled the, particularly having won the first test, would it have been too much to ask um, him to step in there? But I actually 100% think he would have added a huge amount to the to the party. And you look at the amount of guys, even I was just listening to a couple of podcasts and reading a bit of media and stuff during the week that, um, you know, that there's eight, nine players sitting at home that can feel really hard done by that they didn't that they didn't get the trip and that the, the squad that was picked in the first place wasn't wasn't the best one that was available. So, but look, that's always going to be the case and we can't do much about it now. But um, yeah, look, I think it would have obviously been, you'd love to see Johnny in that cauldron there with mm-hmm. tests that won all. Uh, there'd be no better man step up to the plate. So, but yeah, I agree with Johnny. I think Faf de Klerk is a big loss and Peter Steph to Toy as well at seven. He's a big man. He's a huge presence in that side. He's gone now as well with a shoulder injury. So um, that certainly would just maybe give us a little chink of ice. They're two big men with two, you know, big parts of the squad. So um, look, fingers crossed it does. It does uh, give us a little bit of a chance, but you can't believe the guys that are coming in won't be uh, doing the best to plug that hole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just on the Cape Town pitch, the pitch was fairly torn up last week. It, was, it wasn't in great, Nick. Um, let's hope they got a little tractor, Johnny, and they ran a roller over it a couple of times this week. Um, it, it, it's getting fairly torn up there, which it, it does affect everything that happens as well in a match, especially, you know, it's 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 only a detail, small detail, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. It's a it's part of the whole thing. Gained, anyway, I can guarantee you that. Yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't from red jerseys. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's a major factor in the, in the game. Obviously, um, if the sod is turned up underneath you, so you've no grip for doing anything. You're scrumming mall, and it's just constant slip, slip, slip. But um, we're not going to blame that for the loss. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot more contributing factors to the loss than than the ground being ripped up. But um, yeah, look, I, I, I couldn't see it being an issue unless there was heavy downpour rain, um, and it was ripping up. Then it'd be. A free for all, all right, but um, I'm sure they have a little roller or something down there in Cape Town they can go over and soften it down. <laughs> um, Chris, we were talking about players there at home that should felt hard done by that they didn't get out. Um, but what about the players out there that haven't got a game or touched the ball in anger? Brian O'Driscoll was um, was talking about it during the week. He says it's a, it's a bit ridiculous and it should never happen on a Lions tour. Um, like Ian Henderson hasn't played. Yeah. Um, a good few players haven't even, you know, all have done is train. It's a long time to be out there away from families and everything as well and the honour of being called up without getting the touch of ball. I know everyone understands that, you know, you, you get called up and you do whatever is necessary for the team or whatever else, but not getting any game time is a bit of a pain. Yeah, look, I mean, I think the whole thing with bringing Kelleher out there is bizarre and the fact that he hasn't been involved in any game, I think that's... Criminal. I've no idea what was going on there. I start, I did actually half expect him to be to appear on the bench this weekend because uh, you know I just just seemed bizarre that they brought him out there when there was no injury if they weren't going to play him. And as you say, obviously one of the one of the things about Lions Tour is there's obviously the midweek games and they didn't have midweek games once the test starts. Now I know you don't have it for the week of the last match anyway. 
But yeah, it does mean there's a lot of lads sitting sitting on the backside twiddling their thumbs, and particularly given COVID and they can't go out and they can't socialise and they can't meet their friends and it's just I would have thought it makes it a seriously turgid and long long few days or a couple of weeks that you're without rugby and having to having to manage um manage your time and manage manage being sociable and trying to stay pleasant for that length of time I can imagine is extremely difficult. So yeah look I couldn't agree more. I think it's uh it's very difficult. Yeah, but well, like we know, Johnny, this year that the calendar was all up in the air with uh, COVID and all that stuff yeah. as well. But usually they'd get a run out on the midweek games. <laughs> Whatever about not being called up for the tests, that's fine. But um, yeah, to just go and train and then have to turn around and head back to your province then after spending two months in South Africa with nothing to show for it, more or less. Yeah, it's it's strange, I suppose, with, with, with the years in it. But the other side of the coin is, not being funny, the lads knew what they're getting into going out. Um, they knew there was going to be no midweek games, etc. But I do think Ian Henderson is a tested international player. Uh, he would be for me the biggest uh, doubt or the biggest regret if I was Warren Gatton rather to not have him in a some sort of squad once or twice at least. Um, I just think the like for someone like Ian Henderson, it's crazy to bring out such a I'd say world class second row, uh, world class player to bring him out and not use him, and then put in a untested Adam Beard. I think what what has he got? He's twenty one years of age. I think he's thirteen or fourteen caps for Wales. Um, look at it's it's strange, but it is the year we're in, and there is no midweek game. So I just think Ian Henderson, Roland Keller, Roland Keller was the biggest waste of time uh, as regards the Lions call up. And it's tainted for him because he was called out and just used to train and sent home. Do you know, they could have called anyone out at that stage. Like, you know, it made, made absolutely no sense. But look, at it is what it is. Absolutely. Um, lads, we'll, we'll wrap it up soon. Um, we'll talk, we're finished by talking about Razzie. Uh, the Razzie show has been happening the last couple of weeks. Um I hope he's okay um, <laughs> and everything. He seems to be going a bit crazy. Uh, well, that's how it's been viewed from the outside anyway. But as we suspected, Chris and Johnny, um, World Rugby was going to catch up with him and have a little word, and that's what's going to happen. So he's been called up to a misconduct hearing about all the bits and pieces. Um, you'd have to ask yourself, what was the point of the whole thing? What was he doing? Why? It's just crazy. Yeah, just bizarre stuff. I mean, I don't know. I think he's he's lost the plot. I think I fully accept it's an issue, and I kind of heard a bit of chat around the whole piece that that the coaches get really, really frustrated that when they get they don't get their feedback from referees until the Tuesday after a game, and they're busy trying to set up training sessions for obviously the week to come and they want to know why couldn't we get this feedback on a Sunday, the day after a game, so that on a Monday, Tuesday, they can iron out all the issues that came up as part of the the report. So I think that's one of the big issues that they're looking and obviously uh, Joe Schmidt is involved in this process that they're looking to change that so that coaches can get their feedback back earlier from the players. Now, that's clearly only a tiny piece of the jigsaw that 
Razi went on his uh, crusade. But um, yeah, look, when I heard it first, I was like, you're having a laugh. I mean, this is just ridiculous. You know, go go stand the corner and calm down a bit. I mean, honestly, nonsense. But kind of the more I heard of it, the more I more of the content I saw, you kind of go, oh, well, you know, you know, maybe as a point there, maybe as a point. So I think it was um it certainly Razi does things his own way and he's proven that with his water boy stuff and you know everything he's done through the process so he's always done he's always been a little bit off center and i think that's not necessarily a bad thing but uh yeah look i'd be really interested to see what world rugby think and they certainly um i would imagine will be not overly happy that he's been quite as dictatorial as he has but yeah look. I think a lot of it as well is showmanship. It took the player, it took the pressure off the players after the first test. So, yeah, look, he's he's kind of playing the game a bit there as well. Right, what do you reckon, Johnny? Um, part of me thinks that the coach in me thinks it's reckless and childish um, to challenge World Rugby in that way. But then the other side of the coin is, is he correct? I think so. Has he? a lot of facts I think so um, it's it's mad the more I watched it the more I got into it like Chris said the more I think geez, maybe he has a real point here but if he had done it privately would there have been nothing done about it probably not so um, I think there could have been other ways of going about it but I don't think it would have got as much uh, of a reaction as it did um, it obviously worked for them in the second test there was massive calls overlooked my main one being there was only one angle shown on the screen of Faf upending Conor Murray. Yeah. Um, if that was in the first test, we would have got the angle from behind, the angle from the right side where the shoulder made contact. We would have got every angle. But yeah. they only showed the angle where it doesn't actually show where the contact is made. So it worked for him. It worked for the box. Um, will he take his punishment? Probably. Will he care? Probably not. Um the big thing is the water by issue. A lot of people are calling, well, they're calling it an issue. It's not an issue. World Ruby, get granted, it can be three water boys. He's not the head coach. He's the director of Ruby. Technically, he's doing nothing wrong. Um, is it brilliant on his behalf? Yes. Is it annoying to see that we didn't think of it first? Probably. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, I think everything he does is genius, but at the same time, reckless. Um, Look at the, he obviously doesn't care too much about the punishments if his facts are correct. So he's taken probably the moral high ground, as the fellow would say. If they punish him for it now, well, while he has so many clips that are what's wrong with the game. But the other side of it then is out of probably 26 of the clips, if you were to ref 19 of them properly, we'd have a, a 600 minute game, Ruby. So um, as opposed to a 210 minute, 80 minute game. But look at. Um, when it first came out, it was like, oh, God, someone give that man a slap. But the more I watched it and the more I listened to it and the more I looked into it, I thought, he's absolutely a genius. <laughs> he has some patience to sit down and do something like that, uh, to get all that, gather all the information and clip it and then put it into a 60-minute video. So, look, I think there'll be a hefty punishment for him. Um, but I do, th- I do think it'll open World Rugby's eyes to the problems in the game um, and the problems with the different interpretations by referees. I don't think there should be different interpretations. I think laws are laws. So 
if you you follow them, you follow them. Like I can't go into a shop and rob an apple wearing a blue jumper, but if I walk in robbing a red jumper, I'm okay. Um, it doesn't work like that. Like so, if if someone headshots somebody in one game, but they're not headshots in another game, it's okay because it was from a different angle. It doesn't work. So hopefully they stamp it out and they correct the problems with the laws and with the game at the moment because last week's 210 minute disaster is what I call it. Uh, wasn't entertaining to watch. So that's brutal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, lads. We're going to wrap it up, and and as usual, before uh, we finish, uh, Chris, you got one right, one wrong. <laughs> uh, we're allowed. Well, we're allowed that, so. that for one because I got the. I just got the wrong test. <laughs> oh, <you're right. laughs> yeah, exactly. Flexibility. Um, how do you see the third test going? Start with you, Chris. Oh, the eternal optimist in me suggests we're going to find a way to do this. But um, this is definitely my heart as opposed to my head saying a 21-10 win to um, the Lions. Uh, Anyone sent off this week, Chris? Uh, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) We're getting closer. We go, um, yeah, one South African. Okay. Maybe Tom Curry. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, yeah. <laughs> right, Johnny, ball's in your court now. Give me the easy option. Uh, uh, I'm going to stick with it. I think the box are going to do it. Uh, I just think they're going to be too physical. Um, I think there's too many lads going to come in off the bench in key areas of the game that are just not going to be tested. Uh, and I'm going to feel the heat. So I'm going to say box. 15 lines 9. Okay. And definitely, definitely, Tom Curry is going to get a yellow card. Okay. You heard it here, folks. It has to be sick <laughs> <up> by now. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, fingers. So that's a well, box. You have the casting vote now, Stephen. So. Yeah, I'm I, I'm a, I'm a bit on the, the the Chris side of it as well. I'm struggling with the head and the heart side of it, um, and the unpredictability of it, especially when it comes to the refing, um, and the fact that there's a lot of calls going all over the shop. Um, it's hard to predict who will be sent off and how many. Um, no, I'd probably go with a South African win as well. Um, I'm looking at. Um, I said the Lions will be lucky to get a try and a penalty. So you're looking at something like 21-10. That range. Yeah, Same give or take. 20, yeah, no, I'm just trying to play it out in my head. It's a 21-10 or maybe the line or the box to win by a bit more. Um, we'll have to eat some humble pie next week, Stephen. Things go oh, wrong. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just it's hard to see the Lions winning this one. I'm not impressed with that bench. Um, and just in key positions, like you guys have been saying around the, around the park, I just can't see. I can't see where we can get on top of them on normal play and when the bench is emptied either. I just can't see it. I can't see it now. But hopefully, as we say every week, we're proven wrong. Um, we'll see how it goes. Lads, it's been great chatting to you um, as always on the knock on. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> Yeah. We'll have the oh, last like, game. Okay, yeah, we do. Yes, we can analyze the, the last we can game. Review yeah. the amazing Lions come back from the dead. Absolutely. And talk about how we got our predictions spot on exactly. and who was sent off. Um great talking to you. Johnny Tobin, of course, from Tullerubi and Chris Pym, former Leinster captain lads. Thanks for talking to us.
Pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. That's it from the Knock On Rugby podcast on scoreline.ie. Don't forget to visit the website for more on rugby. And of course, if you're into your GAA, we've got the Clash Act, all things MMA, and lots more. Talk to you soon.